happy. You got to be happy. Come on and be happy. Sing a little song. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast on tour. This week, my guest is Remy Harris, and we are in Essex. Yeah, we're in Essex. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. I drove here, and you drive over a beautiful lake, don't you? Or through a lake or water. Yeah, it's probably, a, I think it's a reservoir. Um, yeah. So it's a massive reservoir that gives water to like Enfield and Haringey oh. and Northern Forest and all of that kind of things. It's really full at the moment because we're just coming to the end of loads of rain. Yeah. <laughs> well, there were to set the scene, there were sort of sheep grazing on the banks and there was a sailing club. And as yes. I was driving here, I drove over the River Lee, which is what Adele sings about, doesn't she? Yes. She's in yeah. love with... And, and I've never had a romantic thought about the River Lee and I suddenly thought, okay, Adela, I hear what you're saying here. It's beautiful. And to set the scene, we're in Remy's garden and it's probably the first sunny day after 10 tonnes of rain that we've had exactly. in the UK. And the sun is shining. It's about 20, 21 degrees. And I can actually feel the warmth of the sun on my skin. And we're actually sitting outside under an umbrella in her beautiful garden so if you hear bees buzzing and what were the birds again they were wood pigeons wood pigeons making their wood pigeon sound that's what you can hear so welcome Remy this week we're looking at finance and I bought your book Easy Money which we've actually got here and I've got in the Love Live Music book club and it's a fantastic read and more than ever artists want to know about how to finance their careers how to make money from their art And I think your book is a fantastic summary of all the great things that people can do to put in place secure finance for their art and for their careers. So first of all, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and let all the listeners know about yourself, what you do. And welcome, Remy. Oh, thanks so much, Sally. Um, yeah, thanks for inviting me to talk to you today. Um, and thanks for travelling here. It's nice to see a human person, <laughs> yes. like person person um, after lockdown. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Remy Harris and I run a business called Remy Harris Consulting, just to make it easier for people to remember the name. Um, it's now become a, a training business and a coaching business. And I work entirely with people who are running creative businesses so a lot with musicians because I've got a music industry background but also with visual artists um, with people who uh, make craft with people who run businesses also that feed into creative industries so people who make film or do marketing or something else that feeds it into other creative industries which I, I love doing this work it's brilliant and the other thing that people more likely to know me for is co-founding Young Guns Network, which is a networking group for young people um, aged 18 to 30, roughly. It's targeted at that age group in the music industry. So a lot of people will kind of maybe know me from that. People that might listen to the, the podcast in particular might know me from yeah. that. But I started off my career in the music industry working in a venue and then quite quickly went on to working at AIM, where I worked for 10 years. So that's the Association of Independent Music in the UK for all of the independent labels and um, artists that are releasing their own music and independent distributors, um, which is a great organisation, it's still going. Um, I love AIM. I've been to quite a few of their conferences. They're inspirational and they just give so much information for artists, independent artists. They're great, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, absolutely. And when I joined in 1999, um, I was one of the first three staff that were hired by the initial chief executive, Alison Wenham, um, to, to launch AIM and found AIM. Um, for the labels that had put it together and so I don't think I realised at the time I knew it was a great job and I knew she was a good, going to be a good boss but I didn't realise what a life-changing opportunity that was going to be for me and I stayed there for 10 years in the end and ended up as a general manager of AIM and I learned so much there um, but the, the great thing was it was so diverse everything that was going on was new and so there was an opportunity to just get stuck into loads of things I'd never ever done before and yeah such a great place to to work and such a great community of independent labels to work with as well yeah oh that's great to hear and yeah aim again from strength to strength and I'm sure lots of the work that you did is in the foundations of now of what they do so 
yes it's lovely to get invited back and to yeah. talk to you know speak at aim events and things like that now and um yeah some of the some of the members that will remember me from back in the day are still there and you know still in the industry and stuff so it's really it's such a great place to obviously network as well and meet people from across the whole country and internationally as well who are um indie label people yeah, um, yeah. and they're just such a diverse community of yeah. people just fantastic to work with oh that's fantastic uh, i i didn't realize that you had been there for so long actually wonderful well I will put links to AIM and if you are an independent musician, I really recommend you look at their website and their resources because they've got loads of stuff and they do loads of conferences. They're they're a great organisation. So this season two, I'm on tour, hence why I've driven to you here. And we're again looking at success strategies. And um, my goal really is to help students, those artists who are in the industry, who want to be more effective, mm. and specifically around the area of finance. So, Remy, what is the motivation behind what you do, really? And, and why choose finance? Why write this book, Easy Money? That's a really interesting question, because I'm not really sure. <laughs> I, I know why I wrote the book, yes. um, and I also know why I became interested in finance. So I had worked a random holiday job in a bank I'd had loads of these jobs and I think that that particular job made people think that I knew something about money yeah and so I had a job working a venue as a cashier so I think that was off the back of the bank thing um and then that and when I started at AIM um I was the office manager and I ended up becoming the person who was responsible kind of for the finances so things like invoicing setting up an account system doing the work with the accountants and so I was the the, the person that did that within the office Um, and when labels started to contact AIM to ask about um, you know arts council or money stuff they would get put through to me not because I knew anything but because I did the the account so I was the finance person and I realized that there wasn't much I could tell them there wasn't a huge amount available there and it was something that AIM certainly campaigned on access to finance and the difficulties of getting money to fund touring and music production and so on and marketing and all of those things that we need to do at the start of artists careers um, to really invest in them and that got much worse in 2008 with the credit crunch yeah so even labels that were established indie labels that had been able to go and borrow or get overdrafts to fund, you know, the upfront costs of making music weren't able to do that. Um, so after I left AIM, I went to work at UK Music, which is the UK's sort of lobbying organisation, umbrella organisation, if you like, for the music industry. And Access to Finance was a massive campaign there, yeah. um, backed by particularly the Music Managers Forum and AIM were, were really... Um, instrumental in that campaign and I came to realize that there wasn't a source of information out there and that was really frustrating because I'm a person that likes to help people and I like to make a difference so I felt that I couldn't Um, and when I left there that was one of the projects that I decided to do once I was freelance and I was on my own um, was to write this book and try and have a directory or a guide or something packed with all of the information so that no artist or label or manager would have to just be looking at, you know, starting from scratch and, yeah. and looking for this information. They would just have the information and be able to move on to getting the money. That yeah. was my wish, really, in, in writing this. That it would be a tool that people could use for their careers. And the book does that, actually. You pretty much cover... That's great. <laughs> it really does. I mean, you cover so many different areas from starting out to funding to what's available out there and yeah I would really encourage listeners to buy this book and if you if you're having problems funding it's pretty much all in there isn't isn't it yeah all the all the information's in there really and I I did develop my expertise in finance by going around and talking to all of these people talking to 40, 50 people that had given out money or or applied for money or gotten money from an investor and finding out well how did they do that or what were looking for and asking all of those questions I did learn a huge amount from the yeah. you know, 40 or 50 hours worth of of conversations um, and also within AIM we started to apply for Arts Council funding and things like that so I 
ended up applying for a large amount of grant funding for AIM of three quarters of a million pounds for a yeah. big project. And that was a bit of a learning curve as well in grant funding, managing funding and yeah. all of that kind of thing. And AIM, during the time I was there, grew to from, you know, no turnover to a million pound turnover, not, not to do with me particularly, but yeah. managing that money. Um, and so you actually got that money, you got the three quarters of a million. Yes, yes. Incredible. Um, which was amazing and, um, you know, great project to, to work on and to manage. And, and during my time at AIM, I also did an MBA, which is a master's in um, business. And found that I actually really did quite like this accounting stuff yeah. and the money stuff. That was my top grade was, was um, accountancy and also economics. And, and so I found that I really did like this stuff and it really, really interested me. Um, and so it has been something that I've carried on into my training business. So I do a lot mm. of work with people around um, tax and managing, organising their finances, also money mindset and things like that. So it, it has carried over into what I do um, still as a, as a trainer. And I, I cannot stress how important this is. So I have a company and just something from last week, I realised my VAT wasn't set up properly. I'd had an accountant doing it. And I thought, actually, no, I've got to take control. So to make your VAT digital is a bit of a process. You have to connect it and connect it to a digital financing package. But all that stuff I didn't know how to do. So I think these skills are really important to empower people so that they know how to run their businesses yeah. successfully yeah. and not necessarily hand things over to other people, but that you have a full understanding. So all this stuff is, is just so important. It's yeah. so important. Absolutely. And I think for artists in particular, once you start to develop and grow what you're doing, you become, I would say, a business owner, a leader. You know, you may have a manager who is actually doing a lot of the work of driving things forward but you're paying them so essentially they're on your team you're not on their team yes so you're you're their boss in a way yes um and then you may have if you're an independent artist maybe a marketing people that work for you social media people that work for you maybe band members people that you take on tour so you are the boss of all of those people yes. you, you know they they're supporting you to do your best work as a performer and yeah. as a recording artist. And I think that is quite daunting to be yeah. the, the engine that's driving this team of people and making, this, making the creative decisions and the money decisions yeah. in, in some cases as well. So that's, I think, why we need to talk about money and we need to talk yeah. about finances because I think that is something that a lot of artists that I've worked with, a lot of creatives generally, um, say that they feel uncomfortable about talking yeah. about money, having money conversations and freaked out by spreadsheets and things yeah. like that. They just feel that it's not for them. So when I ask people in training, how do they feel about this whole area? They say stressed, worried, anxious, uncertain, not confident. Mm. That's what they say at the start of training. And, yeah. and, and so I just want people to listening to this. Yeah. To, this, to know that most people feel like that about yeah. things to do with tax money finances talking it's to true. people about money most people feel like that a, a small percentage of people say i'm quite confident but most mm. people feel a bit worried about it in some way yeah and yeah no i absolutely agree and one of the reasons i was thinking about when i was uh, driving here this morning is why it's so important that even if you don't understand the detail you need to understand the big picture because there's a classic story of um sting i think it was something like 60 million pounds disappeared from his personal finances and he only found it because another accountant found it and that meant he had just given total responsibility over to someone else you need to understand just the basics <laughs> so that you can manage your own money yeah um yeah definitely, full stop definitely but it is i mean it's not for a lot of people, it's not that fun or no. that interesting. And yeah. I can imagine that if you were a highly successful artist that you might think, oh, I just don't want to deal with any of this. Yes. That's something you would want to outsource. But you, yeah. I guess you still need to have people that can teach you and can and can and also have a way of kind of double checking yes. what's going on or having somebody independent come in and look, yeah. at, look at how things are going as well to yeah. pick those things no, up. because. It's very you know, important. It's, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't criticise him. Imagine having that amount of money. It would exactly. be a full-time job I mean, to manage it. <laughs> most people listening to this pod 
podcasts are probably not in Sting's category, but it's just, you know, someone can go, well, how could that possibly happen? How would he know that he's missing millions? Well, I understand, you know, when you start becoming more successful, you farm out different areas of your life and you can lose contact. And it does take time. You know, there are no shortcuts, unfortunately. You have to be involved. But it is your money. And if you earned it, you need to know how to manage it. Yeah. Full stop. I'm just going to add that there's either a lawnmower or a drill or something. I think it's a lawnmower. People, it's the first film day. People are getting ready for barbecue. Yeah, it is. So, um, so it's all part of the on-tour organic sound, wind, birds, lawnmowers. You're very much in the uk yeah. people are mowing their lawns so um so yeah so it's not some i don't know what it sounds like on the yeah, podcast it's not interference or, no you're <laughs> not hearing like anything this is sense. welcome to the uk um no that's really really helpful and one of the things that's really important for me that i'm i'm really trying to understand is um looking at those people who are successful in the music industry and looking at what character traits they have. Um, for you personally, Remy, is there one character trait that you could pick out that has underpinned your personal success? Um, I, think, I think I really want to make a difference and that really motivates me to stick with things and um, to find solutions to people's problems um so at, thinking back to my time at aim i remember um working with a new label owner an artist who was looking to um market their work and they were looking at spending a lot of money on a marketing campaign too much um you know of their own money and realizing that the, this was a problem for people who were not doing marketing every single day that they didn't know how to set up a marketing campaign at all and so we came up with an idea which was a, a health check like a meeting with no selling with a marketing expert where you just paid for their advice and they would come and look at what you were planning to do and give it the once over you know somebody that did that work day in day out so I think I think coming up with ideas that just respond to people's needs and try and make their lives easier is been quite key for me yeah like key to my satisfaction and enjoyment of it yeah. but also key to um you know key to making what i offer or making what aim offers successful because it's always thinking about how can we provide that service and and help people and what do people need and what would make people more successful and make yeah. their lives better and things like that so it's it's that kind of value really that i yeah. think has been really so it's for me. it's 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 helping people, but it's also understanding a process and communicating that and empowering others, really, actually, within what you've described. Yeah. Would you say that's true? Yeah, definitely. I think that's, I think that's really key for me. You know, I'm a, I'm a backstage person. I'm not an artist or a performer. Uh, I have done a little bit of performing, but I'm not really an artist yeah. or performer. And, um, and I leave that to other people, but I really like to see people who are creative do well and like to work with them I um you know love to see when somebody uses something that I've given them and they've you know they've become successful or they've you know it's helped them that's really enjoyable so I think that process is great but also just the process of trying as I have done with the book and as I try to do the training trying to interpret information that I have and make that accessible to people and available to people um, so t taking things that I learned on my MBA, which was very focused on global business and big business and trying to think, how can I apply the best bits of this to a musician or a visual artist or, you know, somebody that's running a venue? How can I, how can I give them gems basically from that process without them having to go and do an MBA necessarily? Yeah. Um, and so I like that process of translating mm -hmm. and trying to present information to people at the right moment when yeah. they need it when they can actually apply it and use it so you're almost um a translator of big business ideas into concrete practice in yeah. a way yeah i like things that people can can yeah. do can actually yeah you know, no, that's fantastic and... that's a fantastic skill 
Um, I'm going to encourage you to look a bit at your past now. Um, and here you are, you're in a position of strength. By the way, you've got an MBE. I did. Can you tell me about the <laughs> MBE? Um, yeah, I, I Can you think explain what an MBE is? Because so, we have American listeners as well. Yeah, so, so an MBE is... Uh, stands for I think, <laughs> member of the British Empire. Yeah. Um, and as a black woman, it was quite, a, it was quite a consideration. To think, I do I, I want to uh, join? Yeah. Member? Do I want to be a member of the British Empire? <laughs> do I want to be a member of this imperial order? Yeah. Um, but at the time that I was offered the MBE, I was freelance. I was working for myself. I had left the sort of corporate life, and I felt really proud that I had been given this for my work not only with working for other people but the work I'd done on my own and um, to to work with people in the music industry and to work with artists so I thought no I think I am going to accept this because I think I think it's important for me to recognize that I'm not uh, I've had to work hard to be and um, to market myself or to yes. promote myself and I'm not normally a person that pushes myself to the front and being a business owner now, I've had to do that a lot more. So I thought, yes, I, I think I am going to say yes yeah. to this and say thank you very much. Um, but it, it has been quite a, it was quite a shock to me, really. And it was quite a process to accept that people had put me forward for this honour and had seen me in that light and had um, thought this is a person that we need to recognize it was really mm. it was really lovely but a bit of a shock to the system really yeah, yeah I can imagine it <laughs> I was a it. shock but well deserved um earlier we were talking about how you raised three quarters of a million pounds for aim um to sort of facilitate them growing as an organization and I, I think that's fantastic so I actually think the NBE is well deserved I'm going to ask you a question what was it like going to the palace um, it was, it was great. I was really heavily pregnant at the time. <laughs> really? Um, so that oh my was gosh. quite funny. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a girl question now. What did you wear if you were heavily a pregnant? maternity dress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yes, yeah, so I had, um, Prince William giving me my, my MBE. It was so funny, actually, because I was in the room with all the other people that were getting MBEs and there were people who were teachers and people who'd worked for the lifeboat service there were a couple of um other people that worked for charities and things like that and really interesting to meet all of them and then um one of the palace aides who leads the these these um investiture services came in and they they don't tell you until the day who's going to be giving you your your badge, your medal, or whatever. Your badge, your badge. It sounds like a blue Peter Bella. Blue Peter badge. Um, and he said, oh, it's going to be the Duke of Cambridge. And there was like a little cheer that went up from the room. I think people were quite pleased it wasn't going to be Prince Andrew. Um, <laughs> so, That's hilarious. Yeah, so that was, yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was the day. And I, um, I met um, people who are in the UK who are my age, 40s, will maybe remember Janet Ellis. Yes. Um, mother of Sophie Ellis Bexter yes. and Blue Peter Presenter. So she was getting an MBE on the same day as me. So I recognised her and I went and had to chat to her. Fantastic. And she told me she'd been to the palace before and they don't, they don't really give you like refreshments. I thought they would, like, would be... Like a glass of water? Something like it was a glass of water, yeah, but that was kind of it. Canapes, um, no, yeah. no canapes. No, no, no canapes. Um, and yeah, it was it was um, a really nice experience to sort of see behind behind those doors and see um, all the other people that are in our society that do amazing work and you know getting getting honours for what they what what they've done. So maybe feel quite really pleased to be part of that and yeah. to be one of those people. Well, congratulations and very you. well deserved. And um, wow, that must have been quite an experience. So, Remy, looking at this from this position of strength, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self, do you think? So, Positive, long, so negative? long ago, Sally, I don't know if I can remember <laughs> being 18. Um, I'll tell you a piece of advice that I was given when I was 18 that I didn't really understand at the time. It was actually from another 18-year-old really? um, who's also called Sally, a good friend of oh. mine. And all Sallys are good. They're all great. Yeah, I love, <laughs> love a Sally. Um, <laughs> she said to me, there's no there's no wrong path mm. like you can't really make the wrong decision because whichever decision you make 
things will happen to you that wouldn't have happened unless you'd made that decision. I love that. And I believe that too. I feel like that there's a massive A path and it's really wide and you might sort of go to one extreme of one side or one extreme. But if you see it that way, there's no such thing as failure. There's just learning really. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you hear so many sliding doors kind of stories where people say, if I hadn't, you know, done that, you know, if I hadn't made that mistake and left that job, I would never have met this person that gave me this opportunity or had this experience. So I think that's really important because there's such a lot of pressure at that age. Absolutely. Particularly on knowing what you're going to do, having a plan, following a career path. And as most people in music will probably say, there hasn't been that straight career path for most people. Most people have started out thinking they're doing one thing and then found themselves five years later in a completely yeah. different position that they never imagined absolutely and so I think from once you take that advice on board then it's about really going for it with whatever you want to do that's what I would advise myself kind of don't hold back if you've got something yeah. you want to do do that and don't think that it's either or there's very, very few decisions that, and things that are either or in life like there are some absolutes but I remember being at at aim a little bit older in my 20s and thinking okay what do I want to do I want to do this I want to do that I want to do you know I want to have worked somewhere else that's not aim in my career at some point I want to maybe do a master's yeah I want to you know x amount of money I want to I'll tell you how much money it was 60,000 that's how much I wanted to earn I don't know why I got this figure from but you know when you just have a thing in your mind you know I want to go traveling because I haven't really done that um, I want to become fluent in Spanish you know, I'd love to do yeah. and I had all these things that I wanted to do and I thought that I had to pick one okay and then I ended up doing all of the things Fantastic. in the end not all at the same time obviously yeah. but one at a time I kind of knocked the pins down and, and things awesome. happened and I think it was just saying okay these are the things that I'm interested in these are the things that I want and then be aware of them and looking out for them yeah and they come into your field of vision because you've thought to yourself, I want this. Yeah. And eventually, you know, the opportunities came up to do things. So it wasn't always me pushing. It was really me saying, I know what I want. Isn't that interesting? That that dynamic's really interesting because on another podcast, somebody else said a similar thing. And I think that too, that it's an internal thing that you have to say, this is what I want. And sometimes we find it hard to define what we want. And I think for me personally, when I look back now, I've done a whole array of things, which are a whole portfolio of who I am. And I think it's Mm. okay. I think the difficulty people have is finding out actually what they want to do and then kind of going for it. Yeah, definitely. And even, I don't know, even even now, I think it's even tougher for young people wanting to get into music. Um, It's become really, really specialised and... And you're expected to know kind of really quite in quite a lot of detail which field you want to follow up. But on the other side of that, as say like a label owner or a manager, you have to know everything. Like you have to know a bit of everything and be a jack or jill of all trades. Yes. And that's more me. That's, yeah. that's more, you know, that's more who I am. So although I've become this sort of expert in inverted commas person, I'm really curious about loads of things yeah. and I have to hold myself back from <laughs> from starting groups yeah. and setting things up because I just you know I just get so interested in things and I want to I want to get involved and I want to do them and I've had to say no to lots of things that I would have loved to have done yeah. um just because I have you know I've needed to narrow it down a bit yes. now and have a bit of focus on what yeah. I'm doing but I would say don't you know just just get involved in things start things join groups network enjoy exploring any opportunities and gradually start to sort of pick off things that you really fancy having yeah. a go at and do them I think having that have a go and curiosity and getting involved in things is so mm. important rather than rather than trying to please everybody by yeah. doing yeah uh, you know a step-by-step approach it doesn't really work no. I don't think I love that I love that word curiosity and um I think if we're kind to ourselves and just have faith and we explore, I think things become evident that we're good at and you'll get feedback, oh, you're really good at that. Or you find that you spend more time, like you were saying with your MBA, you kind of naturally thought, oh, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this whole finance and accounting and economics. 
And so I think it's important to listen to ourselves when we're, we're doing something and we get, oh yeah, actually I really like this. And to do more of that because you have natural energy for those things, A, that you're good at, but B, that come easy to you. And I think when I was growing up, I thought, I've got to work really hard on the things I really hate. And, uh, and I kind of all, almost ignored things I didn't, you know, that were easy when in yeah. fact the the opposite we need to focus on those things and become experts and really invest and learn yeah yeah and and obviously like everybody there are things that I'm really bad at and I more and more try to bring other people in to support me with those and do those yeah. because it's just life is more enjoyable that way you can yeah. collaborate with other people you can give work to other people which is great when you're in a position to do yes. that um and learn a lot from them as well if they're really good at something yeah. you can see oh okay right I can do this better and yeah it can be you know it can be not such a headache working yeah. with somebody else so where were we we were looking at um what advice you'd give to your 18 year, year old self and um one of the questions that is I think about a lot is um, how have you dealt with failure? Not you personally, but this idea of failure. And we, we kind of referenced it a bit earlier, but um, what's your view on when things go wrong or failure? How do you view it kind of personally or generally? I'm, I'm interested in that. I think it's something that keeps me awake at night personally. Well, wow. I have a lot of anxiety around work, around you know things being done really really well um I try not to pass it on to other people it's more to do with me and my mistakes and things so yeah I think that I think I feel like whatever I've achieved has been with that level of anxiety about making yeah. mistakes you know rather than overcoming it as being a partner on the journey all the yes. way along and um, in some you know in some ways it's great to kind of think ahead and foresee Problems, I think, as an event person, that's a fantastic skill to have to be able to kind of see three, four, five steps ahead. But I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with, mm. and I definitely do. Yeah, I, yeah, I always want things to be yeah. <laughs> the very best, yeah. and they can't always be the very best. Yeah. Things do go wrong. You know, unexpected stuff comes up in life yeah. all the time, and I think, and I think being being freelance I've had to let that go a little bit and realize that I'm my own boss there isn't anybody really to be unhappy I just have to make sure that my clients are happy and that's and I'm happy and that's it yeah so that has kind of made it a, a little bit easier but I think I think generally little mistakes or things that the things that go wrong can be turned around can be fixed can be um, something that takes you in a different direction down the different path that we were talking about when things actually have gone wrong it's actually been fine yeah w worrying about things that might go wrong has been very stressful yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say yeah because I was thinking about anxieties is think about the things or perceiving how they could be not necessarily how they are yeah I think I'm actually really good in a crisis I'm really calm yeah. in a crisis I'm like quite a chilled you are very chill. Presence. Yeah, you are. And, and people that I've worked with before in like office spaces said, oh, you're so calm and everything. Yeah. And I am, but I internally am worrying about the next thing three steps ahead probably. Yeah. And, you know, over worrying, I mean. Um, so I think, I think mistakes, yeah, mistakes are part of life or things, you know, things coming up that are really unexpected as part of life. And, yeah, pandemic has been a bit of a, bit of a surprise yeah yeah <laughs> um you know so just had to readjust our thinking to to deal with the reality and deal with what we have to deal with now and realize that it's going to change and we just don't know what will what will be next really um, yeah no i think i think that's a good response i'm now going to move on to advice um you've written your excellent book easy money and i want to look at maybe some top tips for artists generally I, it's very hard to give you know general advice but i am going to ask you i'm going to push you mm -hmm. and say uh, you know a lot of people listening they'll be artists they're emerging artists they're looking for ways to manage their music to make a living to pay the rent to you know quite basic stuff so have you got any top tips um for artists 
right now, here we are in 2021, in terms of them establishing good financial practice within what their art? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the fundraising side of things, people, you know, artists will need to be aware of the different ways of, of generating money or bringing money in to, to finance their music and finance their art, um, which might include grant funding. It might include other types of funding from fans or investors, um, including labels and, and, the, and publishers and so on and groups of people that could be investors um, into what you're doing. And understanding that, you know, sometimes it's a, sometimes it's a battle and a struggle and sometimes things just click and it, comes really really easily you know I think artists that have had good commercial success or even artists that aren't very well known but have got a tight fan base will find things easier and that things flow um, and money flows in really kind of almost effortlessly for those yeah. people um, and also the, to understand that it's different for everybody so some people have got a lot of family support um, financially some some haven't some people have got a very relaxed attitude to money some of us are warriors you know some of us are spenders some of us are savers so it's not the same for everybody um yeah. and we have to kind of deal with the people that we are and our own style of managing money and our own tendencies yeah. and things you know um in, in that so i think that individuality and kind of yeah. recognizing that it's a it's a journey and a process to get money um and it takes some work. Yeah, I, we were we were talking earlier about it actually. Um, and when we talked earlier, we talked about sort of the emotional part of of money and how we're all different. You know, have you got any observations about that? Because finance and your money and your emotions seem totally connected. Why is that? What what is happening there? And what's important to break down in that whole area i think there's a narrative of connecting our money with our value as people so you know net worth yeah. for example but our net worth is not our worth as human beings but sometimes that gets a bit muddled i think you know people are maybe feel that they're afforded more power if they have more money or they feel um that sometimes somehow they're better or cleverer or something like that there's almost like this value that we we can attach to money and financial control and financial stability and wealth and things like that um people can have had a journey that makes it very hard to envisage ever being wealthy or having money or being in a comfortable financial position it's it's such a it's such an emotional thing um, yeah. and it's so tied in with our past experiences good and bad what we learned from home you know what we've what we've heard people saying in the media I and mean, i think during the pandemic i was doing a lot of work with myself and other coaches on on trying to help people not be caught up in what was being said about the music industry and i did meet and work with artists even during the pandemic that were doing really well counter to everything that's being said but some people were doing okay um, and lots of people were struggling and it, it, it's it's so there's not one it, simple there's, picture. there's not one simple picture yeah, and it's yeah. so tied up with our emotions and our and our uh the value that we place on money and mm. and wealth um as well that often but what's it what's in common with people that i've worked with is often people find it really difficult to ask for money really difficult to ask for what they want to be paid from a job or a gig or something you know difficult to talk about money particularly british people it's in our culture that we you know find talking about money more difficult than sometimes with than people from well, other cultures it's kind of inappropriate isn't it i was seeing this thing actually on tv so you never talk about money sex power at the dinner table <laughs> you know it's like an old english tradition so um yeah and you, and there's a weirdly it's not one way so there's a thing about not wanting to seem like you have money yeah and then there's another thing about not wanting to seem like you don't have money if you don't <laughs> have money you know so it's we're all pretending and we're all we're all trying to portray a certain yeah. image that we want people to we're see. so messed up aren't we so <laughs> you know so it's, it's complicated and where that feeds into you know where that feeds into the fundraising thing is if 
for people that have never had access to money, it can be life-changing but very intimidating to go and ask for money and ask for money for your artistic work and say, I'm, you know, mm. I'm worth this or my, my work is worthy of investment. Some people find that really hard. Mm. And also some people um, uh, feel a sense of entitlement to that money as well. So it, it's, it's, it, there is that, such an emotional aspect. Yeah. Which do, doing coaching, I'm very interested in exploring yeah, with people. It is, it's with complex. People. Another point I wanted to ask you as well is, we talked earlier about community and the role of community um, sourcing money. Have you, do you want to shed any light on that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, with, with sourcing money, we've talked about, um, I talk in the book about crowdfunding, yeah. and that is um, a really important way of raising money, and also about friends and family as a way of raising money. That's the biggest source across all industries and all communities that people find That's amazing. financing. That's really interesting. friends and family. So whether it's somebody who's opening a corner shop or somebody that's opening hairdressers or somebody that's doing a music career, mm. it's those you know, family and friends, close communities that, that finance that a lot of the time and finance small business um, more than banks, more than, you know, more than financial institutions do. Um, so that's important. You know, some people don't have access to that, but for those that do, it's important to have that support if you can. Um, but more than money, I think your network, your community around you is so valuable not only as a source of support and resources um but just a you know a group of people that you can kind of tap into your community is your wealth very much so i believe and um you know talking to musicians and working with musicians and artists in a year where there ha hasn't been as much money flowing around um has really made me realize that that's so important so mm. i've worked with people that have had people in their community offer them um a place to stay a place to work you know opportunities resources so sometimes it's not about cash it's about the things that you can get that help you progress with your goals from the people around you and so mm -hmm. there may be people listening who don't have loads of money in the bank but they've got wonderful relationships with people that they've developed over the years and those are what have sustained them and allowed them to continue their work as an mm. artist and that's great that's really valuable that's it's not fantastic. all about you know m money as in cash money fiat yeah. currency or whatever you want to say it's also about people who believe yeah. in you how if someone's in that situation how would you help them identify kind of what resources they do have that might not be monetary do you just get them to literally make a list or yeah absolutely i mean make you make a list think about what you need to do to do a project so sometimes for example um on a music project let's say having somebody who can um provide you the platform can be really important and valuable it might be that you want to reach a certain number of people and there's ways of paying to do that but there's ways of getting that through goodwill and networks and community as well in terms of reaching, uh, you know, an audience with your music. Yeah. Um, so it might be finding somebody that has a social media platform or a YouTube channel or a radio show and you can build a relationship with them. People have long said that the music industry is a relationship business and it really is. Um, and certainly when I started freelancing, it was... Uh, you know, I didn't set up my business with loads of money. I set up my business with loads of friends who helped me and saw opportunities. They said, oh, you should go for this or would you like to come and do this work with us and things like that. So that that has really sustained me and helped mm. me genuinely in, in, um, in my life and kind of just continuing on will be something that I really invest in. Yeah. And well, fantastic advice. I'm thinking currently, are there any... Um things that artists should be looking at in terms of funding. You know, here we are in 2021. Are there any particular funds or um, opportunities that you think that every artist should be looking at right now? I think, I think every artist should be aware of what's there in terms of grant funding. That's, you know, that's really important. And be aware that it's available to you at different stages throughout your career. So in the UK, we're really fortunate to have a range of grant funders um, like Arts Council England, PRS Foundation, Help Musicians UK, Youth Music and others that fund creative 
work with artists. Um, also that um, the arts councils in the other UK um, nations have their own arts councils as well. Don't worry about them, they've got, <laughs> they've got arts councils as well. Um, and so that's a really good place to start for people because it's very clear and transparent. You can follow them on social media. They publish the rules about how they um, give out the funding. Um, and when you're ready, you can apply to a suitable mm -hmm. fund. And there are funds now in the UK for artists that are right at the start of their careers, going for a, you know, a showcase or a first release, up to people that are at tipping point um, where they're ready to really, uh, well, they already are, they're ready to do a, a major commercial release and they need significant sums to do yeah. that. Um, so that's a really good place to start, I think, just because you yeah. can see easily, you know, in a day you could go around and see what's available yeah. quite quickly. I'll put all the links for those organisations that you mentioned in the podcast notes because I think that's important. I think you have to do your own research as well. Yes, and, yeah. And look at where you're at and what you need and then apply accordingly. Yeah, and with all the types of funding that you can get and support that you can get, you have to think, you have to understand what's in it for the person giving you the money or the support. I'd like to joke, like even if it's your mum that you're asking for pocket money, you have to think like, why is this person, you know, why are they doing this? Oh, because they want me to have access to this money for these reasons to learn how to handle money or, you know, whoever you're asking for money, you need to kind of be aware why they're giving it out and, and build relationships in those areas. Um, I think people think, oh, it's an organisation, or they just give out money, but it's people that have made a strategic decision, a, a, an intentional decision to give out money to artists for these purposes. And I think once you understand that, you can see how that applies with all of the sources of money as well. So you can see how that would imply, apply with an investor or even with a bank lender. Why are they giving out the money? What do they need back from it? What kind of things are they looking for? What doesn't really work for them? And then that will help you to sort of steer through yeah. which way to go with it and which way is right for you. That is an absolute pearl of wisdom because not many people will think about that. It's not that people have got pots of money that they're just giving them out. They're investing in you because they want a result. It's not they're yes. just giving you money. They yeah. want concrete results through what you're doing and yes. for you to be able to show that. So you do need to think about that. So it's not a matter of just taking money. You need to have a strategy yourself of what you're going to do with the money and what you expect with the results. Yes, yeah, completely. Um, and there's always some kernel of, of benefit that somebody's getting. You know, even if somebody's giving money to a charity, you're giving it to make a difference and feel good and, you know, see something that you want to happen in the world come to fruition. Um, I think we've all had that feeling maybe of giving our pound for, to comic relief or giving our money and we're giving that for that reason so once you understand that um whatever the scale of somebody that's supporting you or even if it's a like on social media or whatever they're they're kind of doing it for themselves as well as for you yeah um, and getting something back from that um so then that that helps make it all make sense yeah <laughs> once you no, absolutely <laughs> it's a two-way exchange yeah. absolutely um looking now at hard times and survival responses. Um, is there any advice you have for listeners, um, especially in the area of finance, if people are struggling, if they have debt? Have you got any top tips, just broad um, brushstrokes? Well, it's, it's a difficult subject. You said res responses, and I think a really common response is the head in the sand response or the, the freeze response. Um, which is just to sort of ignore it and do nothing and or not know what to do and just be really frightened and um, and so that's what we have to kind of deal with first is that emotion again emotion coming up and you know fear and worry around finances um, I think whether you're somebody that's got money and you're don't know you know you, you should be investing it and you're not because you don't know what to do um or you should be learning about how to manage that or you talked about sting but i mean you should be learning how to manage that and you're just not or you're somebody who who's got debt and you need to cope with paying that off managing it you know getting 
um, creditors off your back and, and things like that. It's got to be a, an active process you've got to engage with. There's going to have to be communication. You yeah. have to overcome some, some, some fears yeah. and worries and really get your head around it. Um, I, think, I think people that I've worked with that have had little money are some of the best people that I've come across at managing money. They know where every penny goes, actually. Um, and it's, it's a question of finding out where, um, you know, where the challenges are for them whether it's about um, not bringing enough income, not being able to find the right customers to make the business work, not being able to charge enough. Um, but you don't want to hang around in the same place for too long <laughs> with, the, with these challenges, I think. Yeah. Um, so I think the things that have helped me with getting onto a stable, even keel, first of all, I have to acknowledge you know, family support the privilege of having family support has been massive help for me that not everybody has had. Um, also just educating myself about finance, um, going on to like money saving expert is a great resource we have in the UK. There are other, you know, there are loads of great podcasters. Um, there's a really great one that I want to shout out, which is called bad with money, which is an American podcast, but it's looking at finances from um, position of, maybe like a young person who's not um, that aware of all of the kind of world of personal finance, also having a lot of voices from marginalised communities and there as well, um, which, is, which is a great podcast, talking about everything from like investment to crypto to, um, you know, fu funding Black Lives Matter and things like that. So I think it's great to just start to get familiar with all of the language around money and all of the tools that there are to help you make your money work for you, to help you save money, to help you just be more comfortable um, with, with how you, with how you're managing the money, whatever level you're on. This is just so brilliant. It's something that, you know, it's an area that I now feel comfortable with, but I haven't for a long time in my life. And I love the things you've just said there, because it is a lot about education and it's a lot about actually learning stuff you know all those sites you've just said are brilliant i'll list them i actually found out stuff just from the gov uk site and, and one of my big things is as a freelancer to make sure that i've paid my national insurance stamp so that i get a, a pension at the end exactly. of my career and women don't understand this that you have to make 35 years of full contributions to get your pension otherwise you don't get it so things like that that I've had to educate myself about. Yeah, it's so um, funny that pensions is like coming up more and more as a topic in workshops that I'm doing. Yeah. And I've, I've been surprised a little bit. I don't know why I've been surprised, but I've been surprised by yeah. that. That's something people are concerned about, want to know about. And well, I do absolutely. talk about that in my, in my training. Um, and yeah, it's super, it's super important. But also I find that the world of personal finance isn't that geared up for um freelance people artists and so on so yeah. for example we're talking about community being of value yeah um your your community is an asset yeah so an asset is something that you can that generates value for you so it yes. could be a pension fund yes but it could also be amazing network of people that will support you within your local community yeah so ask your people. community people is an asset and, yeah. and also things like um your if you're making music your music is an asset so you're investing into that music and you hope that that will be something that you'll be able to continue to yeah. earn money from for your whole life absolutely um your songs that you're writing or whatever you're creating and that is never discussed and so i think for a lot of Mm. A lot of people who are freelancers, who are artists, they just think, well, I'll never be able to retire. Um, you know, I'll, I don't know anything about state pension or how, yeah. how I get it um, or if I will get it. And yeah. they just think, oh, it's just all hopeless. And I just won't look into it. But I would really urge people to look at it, even if they're, even if they're in a position where they're an artist and they're, not earning huge sums of money, but just to be aware that you can pay your national insurance. You can. Um, even if you're earning underneath the threshold, it's like 
13 pounds a month to get access to this guaranteed income for the rest of your life when you're in your older years yeah so it's worth knowing about that and worth thinking about what you want to build for the future and I think this is something talking to your your old slightly older listener now yeah people when they get to their 30s 40s 50s start to um and, and haven't followed a corporate path where you've got all of that set up for you really start to think about their legacy mm-hmm. about what they want to be doing for the rest of their careers about um what they want to build and invest in um so that they can generate a long-term value and maybe income from that as well so i see more of those conversations with yeah, people it's who really, are it's in really later stages or middle stages of their career yeah um where they've got started they're established and they start to think well, i don't want to just work in exchange for money for somebody else yeah or in work for my clients or whatever and just pick up jobs as they come i want to build my own thing so that i can have a bit more control and a bit more control over what happens when i can use that as a vehicle to raise money and do things that i want to do in the world and they start to become more in control of their the, you know the money side of being a freelancer yeah and that's really exciting time i think when people can use everything they've learned coming through and and really establish something build something from it it's a fantastic advice if if you want to find out um this is just my little bit of advice here what your state pension is like you can actually go on to gov.uk and you can put in your national insurance number and it will give you a pension projection and how many years you've paid of your national insurance and how many years you need to pay. And why it's so important is that if you pay 35 years, currently you'll get under 10 grand a year. That's amazing as a state pension. If you don't pay it, it's about six or seven. Well, 10 grand a year when you're, I think it's 67 now, is a lot of money and worth having. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think for people that are used to freelancing and doing all sorts of different work as well, if you think about it as instead of like, oh, I'm going to do all this work and then I'm going to retire. I think our careers in the music industry are a bit more up and down than that. Yes. Um, and, and even like earning money month to month is a bit more up and down than that. And so I think there's some really cool ways that you can have a bit more control over things. So, yeah. you know, you're maybe not going to get your state pension until you're 70 or you know, whatever yeah, age it's going to be. Now. Okay, well, fine. You know, you've got that money there for when you're older so what are you going to put in place a little bit sooner that means that you can be more picky and choosy or do less work as you get older or do different types of work or give back you know you can start to plan that and see Mm. how you're going to put the whole thing together you know um so now i'm in a stage where i'm in my 40s i've got two kids I've got a lot of overheads I've got to pay nursery so it's a very expensive time but I always thought that when I got to an older age I would maybe have like a big house full of full of artists <laughs> or full of lodgers or something like that and that would be how I would live um, and I think there's a lot of alternative ways of living and alternative um, lifestyles that are not just not reflected as we said in, in what's written yeah. about personal finance at all it's much more about people with large amounts of wealth or it's much more about people who followed a conventional career um you know they've paid into a local government pension for 30 years or or what have you and there's not that much about messy people like us that just don't follow the conventional path yeah now i can i can absolutely my career's been said ups and downs corporate times times where i've been unemployed you know and times where i took a career break with kids and then, you know, now I'm in a position where I can choose what I want to do, which is great. But there have been all sorts of different shades and whatever, and it goes together. But, you know, now I'm thinking for me personally, exactly as you said, you know, what's the future going to look like? What do I want to give back to my community? How do I want to live? Who do I want to be with? And part of that is how much money do I need to live? Yeah. So for me, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Yeah, and, and knowing those figures is something that I often do with artists is to say, okay, what do you actually need to live, to live off? Yeah. What would be better? What would be amazing? Yeah. Which might be like, 
you know saving and going yeah. on holidays every year and stuff like that and then what you know everyone's got an individual figure yeah and then think working back from there and say okay how many shows do you need to do hopefully shows are kind of yes. coming back um how many shows do you need to do what do you need to charge for them if you're doing teaching how much do you want to take on but also you've got to manage your energy so how much can you realistically do there if you're doing if you're selling music um you know streaming or royalties or whatever what what have you built up so far what's your income stream there and just looking at putting all of that together knowing what you you'll pay on tax on that knowing what you need to save out of that and just having a plan and i think the business plan can be you know a couple of spreadsheets or something saying this is these are my numbers these are my targets this is what i'm Mm. this is what i need to do and i think it's a lot easier than um to manage because a lot of people will if i ask people where do they get their work from even artists they'll say i don't know like people the the phone rings and then i get gigs or the phone rings and i get work but i think the pandemic has shown us that we need you know to have a bit more levers to play with and just waiting for people to ask us um and it's great if you can have different income streams and different things that you can do um, that can just give you that, that, that stability and that flexibility. Yeah. Not, not even talking about pandemics, but, you know, we can become, um, you know, artists can find that they get to a point in their life where it's really knackering going on tour or doing yeah. gigs every night or doing events all the time. Yeah. And they want to have something else. Yeah. Um, and so Absolutely. I think knowing knowing that and starting to build that mm. as you go through is great. If you can, you know, if something might start off as an extra hundred pounds a month or something, and you can develop that and build on yeah. that, and that can be your that can be your pension. <laughs> yeah, no, that's brilliant advice. I'm working with older clients at the moment, a couple, and we're looking at all those things exactly. Um, my last question, Remy, is. It's advice for the next generation. If someone was going to work for you on your team, what qualities would you look for in them? What habits have you noticed make people great at managing money? Um, at, at money stuff or yeah. just working with, with well, me? Well, both really. There are two okay. questions there. Working with you and what habits have you noticed make people great at managing money? Um, I love, I love to work with people that are problem solving creative and they just say, okay, how can we fix this? How can we solve this? How can we find a solution to this? That, that is my probably number one. Yeah, no, it's thing great. I would look for if you can great. find people to work with that just um, are, are proactive when they're faced with a, a challenge or a problem and really seek out ways to sort it and fix it. That's great. That I love working with people like that. Um, people that can people that can um work around like an awkward situation like in events obviously it's great to have people that can just sort of smooth over a a bump and you know be able to keep the show on the road so that i think that's my top yeah skill is just that adaptability yeah love people like that (laughs) um and then in terms of in terms of finances i think um having a system like having a system, whatever it is. I talk about the financial organisation side of things in training and um, I show people like a shoebox, like the shoebox of receipts that a lot of people have with their freelance or a spreadsheet or an accounts package, but having a system for those slightly trickier things that we have to deal with, um, like finances, mm. I think is absolutely key um, yeah. because otherwise it's really difficult if you just have no... Plan, no clue what you're yeah. doing with it at all. I'm going to ask your advice as well. Um, what accounts package would you advise for people starting out? And um, or would you would you say just use a spreadsheet, or would you encourage them to use um, books or Sage yeah, you or whatever? can absolutely just use a spreadsheet um, and you know have income expenses, add that all up, and do your do your tax returns and all of that kind of thing. And there are some good uh, templates and things that people can download and, and where would and they get those at. templates from um, there's there's a number of like accountants that sell them for quite a affordable price just okay. as a kind of template thing so i'll try and find one that i think yeah um i now use a, a software called free agent hmm. and like 
places like Xero uh, and QuickBooks. It's a cloud-based accounting mm. software. So that is a thing now. That is what everybody's using is cloud-based yeah. accounting software. I know, and I think from my company, you have to have that that can link. To making tax digital. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's going to be the thing mm. in the long run that people will be required to do yeah. is to have is to have something that links up digitally with HMRC yeah. and and that will you know change. I think that would have been implemented quicker if it hadn't been for the pandemic. Yeah. I think that was all being. Is it not about, actually it? law at the moment? Because I it kind depends of... on your level of turnover right. and it depends on whether you're VAT registered. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the benefit of an accounts package is that it links up with other things. So rather yeah. than manually having to type things in, yeah. um, it will link up with your bank account. It yes. will link up with your PayPal if you use that yes. or your online shops and things like that. If you which have is super things, useful. Which is really useful, but everything automatically gets drawn into the accounts package and then you just have to approve it basically and, and say what it was for or upload mm. a receipt or something like that. So it's, yeah, those things are just such a time saver. If you, do put the time into setting them up yeah. and picking one that works for you and you feel comfortable with. It's such a time saver just knowing mm. every time you sit down to do it, it's just there and it's, yeah. it's just clicking a few buttons as opposed to every year it's like a massive pile of yeah. paper and no, nobody true. wants to do that. Yeah. Anyway. I've, in the past two years, I've gone over to QuickBooks and it, it is amazing because um, uh, an invoice came in from a client yesterday and I realised it just reconciles it automatically. It does it, yeah. I was like, woohoo! amazing, yeah. But it's taken me a long time to actually feel comfortable with it. Um, but it is good, so stick with it if you yeah. can. Now, that's, that's all fantastic. So, Remy, I want to thank you for your time and your reflections. And this stuff is pure gold. This stuff is life-saving. The stuff that you've talked about, you know... Um, and I would recommend listeners to read Remy's book because a lot of the content that she's talked about today is all in her book. Where can we find you online if people want to reach out to you? Where's the best place? Well, I've got two, two online um, identities. Um, I've got Young Guns Network, which yes. I'd love to see um, people joining us in our Facebook community Brilliant. Um, or joining onto our newsletter. So we're um, YGN.co and um, Young Guns Network community on Facebook and at YGN on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so cool. thanks to everybody who volunteers and helps out and makes that such a great organisation to be part of. Um, and also for my own stuff, I have RemyHarrisConsulting.com, which is my website, and you can find the book on there and links to all my socials on there. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Remy. You've been amazing. I've really loved chatting to you. Thank you. And um, I've got a wonderful picture in my mind of you being pregnant, getting your MBE from <laughs> trying Prince to, William. Trying to curtsy in a maternity <laughs> <to> dress. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been funny. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Remy. Thank you, and um, yes, thank you for being a guest on my podcast.